Coming up next on the Couch Potato Podcast, it's the After Christmas Christmas Special, Die Hard. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? High above L.A., a team of terrorists have seized the building. Oh! They're ready for anything, except a New York cop trapped inside. Come on to the coast. To get together. Have a few laughs. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. But all things being equal, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Rated R. Now playing in selected cities. Starts Wednesday, July 20th at theaters everywhere. All right. Well, it looks like uh, we're ready to try out our new format, uh, the much shorter episodes. Uh, Lucas, how do you how are you feeling about this? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the new format. I think uh, you know, knowing some of the people that I know that listen to our show, they don't necessarily watch the movie while listening to us. So I figure, you know, and you figure, let's let's try something different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean. It can't be much worse than we've already put out, right? I would hope not. But <laughs> hey, there's there could always be worse. Yeah, I mean, like I honestly, I think this episode that we're getting ready to uh, do is a little on the curse side. This is what the fourth attempt now to put this out. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a few, you know, between audio issues and as you know and some people know, I'm battling COVID nineteen and it's trying to kill me. So. Uh, it's been rough. Well, damn, I wasn't trying to throw that uh, that out there. I mean, if you didn't want to do it, just say you didn't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I I will take that easier than you like going out and getting sick. Yeah, yeah. I you know I was just like you know I wonder what COVID's like. Let me go catch that real quick. And then I I tried to do this with uh, my son, and he's the one that pointed out to me that uh, him and I had been recording, well, watching the movie for like over an hour, and it wasn't even recording. That's just good quality family time, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I I personally think he just wanted to. He was going to try to throw Yippee Kai motherfucker on the on the recording. I almost feel it. I that would have honestly been our best episode ever, just for that simple fact. Yeah, I mean, like as a parent, like I would have been, you know, like dude, you can't say that, but inside, like man, that's so awesome. <laughs> One of those proud father moments. Yeah. Um, then uh yeah I tried to do this solo, and I just like I listened to, like man this sucks I can't do this by myself. <laughs> well, hey, I'm I apologize you know I I wish I could have been there you know helping you out just like I said COVID is no joke it's uh, it's the worst thing I've ever experienced. So. Well I'm I speak for everybody listening and we're glad you're on the mend and you're able to get back in the saddle tonight. I'm ex- especially happy to hear you're doing better i appreciate that i'm happy i'm doing better too Uh, i would imagine i would be a little like baffled if you said you know what i i wish i were feeling worse (laughs) what's wrong with that fucking guy over there yeah it's like man this isn't hitting me hard enough (laughs) um well i guess uh we'll let everybody know we're doing uh die hard uh this was supposed to come out on christmas day we had issues uh try to fix it in editing and just it sounded like shit uh you actually sound like you're reading the newspaper while we're doing it and adam sounds like our producer adam was supposed to be on this too and it sounded like we were recording him inside of a cave interesting 
I was reading. So like, was I reading anything interesting in the newspaper? I don't know if you're reading the, the classified ads or perhaps, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, like, like the sports, like the, the sports page, like not so much like the, the articles, but maybe like the scoreboard. Maybe you're curious to see how the Bulls did. I don't know. So for any young viewers who don't know, newspaper used to be the way that you got your news. <laughs> Usually the next day you found out about all the shit. It wasn't instant. Right, and you like it if you watched it on TV. You could uh, you usually only watched it at six o'clock or maybe at eleven. You know, it wasn't like oh well, I'm going to see what's going on. You know, and flip it to CNN and it's just constantly going. Right, it wasn't Twitter where it tells you everything up to the second. Which that makes me wonder how, like, if this were this movie, if this were a real event, like how this would play out on like CB or like CNN or Fox News or MSNBC yeah. or. I feel like it would take probably a week for everybody to really find out on, say, like the East Coast. Maybe the West Coast they would know in a few days, but right, the East Coast would be a couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. But now, like you know, it would have been like, oh well, the, there's some shit going on in Nakatomi, like five minutes after it went down. Right. Um. Well, like we are changing it up, but uh, that we are keeping some things the same, uh, such as the. Uh, the world beloved award winning tale of the tape uh i we've won awards for this i don't i haven't gotten them in the mail yet but we've won some awards i feel it um <laughs> there there are awards in people's hearts yeah it's it's beloved like i think there's even t-shirts being made as we speak by some of our fans i would hope so well, i'm not banking on it but <laughs> I'm not either, but I would hope. So. I, I literally hope so. <laughs> Feel free, shoot us an email. Tell us where you want to. Uh, you're going to send them. We'll tell you where to send them. We would love to have a tail of the tape T-shirt. Um, Die Hard was released on July the 15th, 1988. Um, the same day or the same weekend as uh, one of my personal favorites, Midnight Run, with uh, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. That would have been a cool time to. That would have been one of those weekends where, like, as a kid, I just would have spent it at the movie theater. I miss, you know, shit, I just miss spending time at the movie theater. I'm uh, I'm running through with my girlfriend and her kid on all the uh, Marvel movies. And we're up to Doctor Strange, and I was, you know, I was telling them, like, the, the end credit scenes, you had to sit through all that shit. It wasn't, you know, fast forward and get to all that. So you're sitting in the theater for 20 minutes waiting to, for those extra scenes, and I just miss that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your uh, movie going experience has been a little different than mine. I've been running through like, uh, like I just watched Heat last night for the first time in month or I'd say almost a year. It's a good movie. It is. I've seen, I've seen that when we used to, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of illegally have HBO back in like nine in the early nineties. Uh, there's no such thing as illegal HBO. You're just borrowing it from the cable company. Uh, yeah, we were borrowing. Correct. Um, but yeah, like that would have been a cool time to go to the movie theaters for sure. Um, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score ninety four percent. That's, I think, for an action movie, it's pretty good. Yeah, because action movies kind of like uh, comedies are subjective. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this stars Bruce Willis, of course, uh, Alan Rickman, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, and uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, who some of you. 
may remember as Carl Winslow and Family Matters. Um, Russ, that show was amazing, right? Can we agree on that? That was a good show. Like I remember they used to have that block of uh, comedies on uh, ABC Friday nights. It was uh, Family Matters, Step by Step, uh, Boy Meets World, and I know when I first it first started, there was a show called Perfect Strangers. I don't know what they replaced it with, but I don't remember that one. So I'm sure he probably got Carl Winslow because of this movie. Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, this one was directed by John McTiernan, who actually sandwiched Die Hard in between Predator in 1987, and then he followed up Die Hard with The Hunt for Red October. Oh, damn, so this guy's a heavy hitter. Yeah, uh, like, I think that for like at least a three-movie stretch, like I don't know of too many guys that can like top that. It is a good stretch. Maybe maybe James Cameron, because I think he did uh, Terminator, Aliens, and then The Abyss. That's pretty. That's a pretty good run. I don't know The Abyss. But, oh, uh, The Abyss this... is really cool. It's uh, about some deep-sea divers. It's got Ed Harris and Michael Biehn. Oh. It's really like hard to find. On... Oh, who doesn't? Um, it's really hard to find, though, on, like, like the streaming sites, like I don't think I've ever seen like anybody that has it available to stream right now. Huh. Um, the uh, budget was twenty-five million dollars, and it brought home eighty-three here in the state, so pretty successful. I'd say so. Well, I'm sure it's probably made a shit ton more through like DVD, Blu-ray, being on cable. So well, you know, ever. I don't know about everybody, but they should do this, uh, watching it on Christmas, because it is a Christmas movie. Yep. And uh, that actually will lead me to our, uh, our first topic is, uh, do you think this is a Christmas movie? Um, Absolutely. I, well, I know when I posted that we were doing this on uh, our social media page, we had a, a particular uh, fan. Well, he's not a fan anymore. He says he's, he quit following the show, but that's neither here or there. Um, right. but he, he, cl- did, he did not agree. Uh, yeah, he uh, he was in the it's not a Christmas movie camp. And I mean, he has a very compelling argument on why he said that it I mean, it, even though it takes place during Christmas, it's not doesn't really isn't about Christmas. It's about a terrorist attack in a building, which it kind of makes sense. I mean, I would if well, I don't know, like, I guess it, it does. It has a valid point. Because yeah, I mean, but, I, but it really depends on your definition of a Christmas movie, though. But I mean, I'm gonna steal this fact from uh, producer Adam. Sorry, Adam, but uh, he said that this movie mentions uh, Christmas like 17 times. I think he said. Mm-hmm. So it, it does that. I mean, they the bad guys say ho 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 in it. Um, takes place. During Christmas, it's a Christmas party. I mean, it's just, it's all Christmas shit, you know? Right, and I mean, for me too, it, the driving plot of the movie is essentially a man trying to get home to his family for Christmas. Right. And, I mean, whether that's, he's flying from New York to L.A. to attend a Christmas party that happens to get interrupted by a terrorist attack, it's still a very Christmas-oriented theme. 
And right. like I've also been like of the fact that it takes place at a Christmas party on Christmas Eve, and like if they weren't having that party, John McClane wouldn't be going to L.A. So no Christmas party. There's no fucking Die Hard. Right. So Christmas movie. We well, in our our humble opinions, we believe it's a Christmas movie. Right. And I mean, if you don't agree, like I feel free to chime in. Like I'm always. Curious. Most of the people that we know that watch this movie tend to think that it is a Christmas movie. But if you don't like, hit us up on our Facebook page. It's uh, at or uh, it's Couch Potato Podcast on Facebook, and it's uh, Couch Potato Podcast on Instagram too. So feel free to shoot us a message. I'd love to hear from you. I'm sensing a theme with uh, the name of it. I think so. Is that what we're called? Uh, as far as I know. At my advanced age, I forget sometimes. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I've got the, the uh, COVID clouded memory, so. Oh, fuck. Well, why are we even doing this? Uh, I'm old and I? you've got uh, COVID brain. Like, <laughs> this is going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, well, that uh, now that we have established it's a Christmas movie, at least we think so, um, I think it's second legacy is um, it really changed the way, <clears throat> excuse me, how, uh, like, the action movie in general. Um, back before this, really, uh, action movies were really, like, the hero was almost like this unstoppable killing machine. He was usually, like, a super jacked, like, Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Uh, Chuck Norris, who, I mean, Chuck Norris isn't a bodybuilder, but fuck, he scares everybody. Well, he should. I mean, when he does push-ups, the earth goes down instead of him going up. You That's know? true. Um, but once Die Hard came out, uh, you kind of start to see a shift where it's like the everyman becomes the hero. Um, I mean, let's be real. Like Bruce Willis is starting to lose a little bit of his hair in this. Still, still manageable, but like you know, he looks like if you or I were a cop heading to a Christmas party. You know what I mean? Right. And, well, good. And I think that's I think that's what makes this movie so good is you know, you feel like, not that the, you want this to happen, but you feel like if there's you know some terrorists taking over a building, you might be able to get in there and help. That's right. When I watched this as a kid, that's like kind of what drew me to this because this is my all time favorite action movie. Like to me, like action is my favorite genre, but like Die Hard is a top of the mountain for me. And I think that's a lot to do with it is the fact that, like, it just seems like anybody can be in this situation. And he doesn't even really, I mean, like, there's times in the movie where he's, like, when he jumps off the building, when he's got the fire hose attached to him, and he jumps off the building, like, he's like, fuck, what am I doing? This isn't going to go well. And he still does it anyways. And I, I just think that that, like, that to me is, like, is one of the biggest selling points to me for this movie. Well, I mean, and you and I are both parents, and I, you know, I have a young man on the way, so I, I, I feel like we would want to feel like we would be this superhero guy and pr- do whatever it took to protect our family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, and I, I think uh, if it wasn't Bruce Willis playing it, I don't know how this would have turned out, but I think that he was just able to capture the everyman. Oh, you know, he's running around in the, in the jeans and wife beater, so. With no shoes. 
with no shoes. Because, um, you know, you, you got to dig your, you got to make knuckles on the carpet. That's right. Because that's, that's a calming, gives you a calming effect. I, I still do that to this day. Like, it's times I'm super tense. Like, I'll do that with my feet. Sometimes no, it never, helps, sometimes it doesn't. I never really thought to do it, but I also, like, I'm wearing those weird people where I like to have things on my feet no matter what. Well, I, I wear socks all the time, but I've also got gargoyle feet. <laughs> like, I could seriously go outside right now and perch up on somebody's roof, and, like, no one would think the different. <laughs> um, when I was researching this, uh, it was kind of funny, like, who was up for the role of John McClane? Uh, uh-huh. And like just some of the names, like it's almost like of that era is like almost a who's who of like the top guys in Hollywood, which amazes me that Bruce got it. But uh, let's see, uh, Harrison Ford was offered this, which like when I watch this, it kind of gives me a Harrison Ford vibe, but I don't think it's as good of a movie with him in it. No, but I mean, if you're going to if you're going to interchange Bruce Willis with somebody. I think he would be probably the best replacement. Well, I, I just don't think that he can pull off the wisecracking that well. Like, Bruce Willis has that new – like, you could tell he's a New York City cop. He has that right. New York attitude. And plus with the wisecracking and stuff, like Harrison Ford, I can't see doing that. Right. Um, let's see. Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Robert De Niro, Mel Gibson – uh, Nick Nolte and Burt <laughs> Reynolds. Nick Nolte would have just been like, burn the whole fucking building down. I don't care. <laughs> yippee ki motherfucker. <laughs> that was actually really good. <laughs> well, I, I just, uh, you know, he plays the the racist, like he's a racist cop in 48 hours, which yeah, I don't know if you've seen that. It's a really good movie. It's with him and Eddie Murphy. But, yeah, he's racist. I can just imagine him calling, uh, you know, the the German terrorists certain names. Right. Um, and I have, I have seen that movie. It's really good. It is. Um, Burt Reynolds is also considered for this, which, like, when, I've, uh, when we've talked about doing other movies before we decide on what we're going to do, and if it's something like pre like nineteen eighty five or like maybe eighty seven eighty eight, and before like Burt Reynolds' name always comes up, like he was considered for just about everything. So he's almost like the William Shatner of the nineties. Just do whatever. Well, well uh, Burt Reynolds was like the fucking man in the seventies. I mean, like he was the biggest star in the world at one point, but. Now, whenever I think of Burt Reynolds, like especially like if I'm thinking of him in Die Hard, I only picture the Norm Macdonald impression from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you know, it's funny. In my head, I was thinking of that. Impression. Yeah, just uh, just imagine him like just chewing that gum, like yeah, uh, yippee, yippee, Kaye, motherfucker, and he like just backs off. <laughs> and then uh, Don Johnson, who was like a big TV star. Like uh, Bruce Willis was coming into this, which I'll touch on that in a second. And then um, Richard Dean Anderson, too, MacGyver, was also considered. But if he would have been in it, the movie would have only been like 15 minutes long. (laughs) Why is that? Well, like, you know, like early on when uh, John is like running and he ends up uh, 
going into that uh, room where they're doing the construction, and then Tony comes in. Yeah. There's a thermos in there. MacGyver would have used the thermos and maybe like the sawdust from the construction, and he would have built something and would have ended that movie in 15 minutes. That's fair. So, well, yeah, Bruce Willis actually was on a TV show at during this. I guess like I was researching this. He was filming Moonlighting, the TV show he was on during the day, and then he was doing uh, Die Hard at Night. And I guess he got so exhausted that they started, uh, the writers were touching up the script as they were filming the movie. And I guess that the role of Al, who Reginald Vell Johnson plays, and then um, Dwayne T. Robinson played by classic asshole actor from the 80s, uh, Paul Gleason. Uh-huh. And then uh, the two FBI guys and like a couple other characters, their roles got beefed up to compensate for like them trying to get Bruce Willis a break. Well, I, I think that was, uh, I think that was a good choice. I mean, I, they don't feel like they're overtaking the movie at all. So no. And, uh, actually Bruce Willis got paid $5 million to do this, which is crazy for 1987. Well, I guess he would have been cast in 87 or early 88. Yeah. I read at the time that made him the highest paid actor. Yeah, it did. And like, for that is just unheard of. Like they, they passed on like Stallone to pay a TV actor 5 million bucks to do this. You know what? They made the right choice that they did. And they also, I think they made the right choice in who they cast as the villain in this. Um, Right. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I saw there's a, uh, there's a Netflix show all the movies that made us. And I think that's what it's called. Yeah, you're right. I, don't know. I can't fucking think of anything right these days, but, um, he was a, uh, Alan Rickman was a stage actor, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, Joel Silver, he was the, uh, one of the producers on this and, uh, John McTiernan went to see, uh, dangerous liaisons at, like, I don't know where they went and seen it at. <clears throat> but uh, Alan Rickman was performing as the villain in at Valmont. And once they seen him performing, they immediately, that's the guy that's got to play Hans Gruber. And the fact that I, I don't know if you knew this or not, or people listening, but that's uh, Alan Rickman's first movie was Die Hard. He had never been in a movie prior to this. Well, I think the thing that makes him so good is that he's so, the villain is so over the top, almost like a theater actor. Well, I think too that, I mean, he's just so charming. He's not like the typical villain, like up to that point that, you know, usually it's like, Oh, I'm going to fucking kill you or give me the money and throwing out ransom notes or he's going to blow up the world. And like, he just is very calm and calculated. It just, for me anyways, like I have never seen a villain in a movie like that prior to seeing Die Hard. Well, and see, this you said this came out in eighty seven, right? Eighty eight. It was filmed. I think it was filmed in late eighty seven into eighty eight. Well, then I would have been one years old when this came out, so I don't have anything to you know a precedence to go on before this. But now you know you see in movies the bad guys and the good guys are pretty much mirrored after this movie. Oh yeah, like one of the two uh, 
uh, things that you always see, like that movies, like that copied off Die Hard is, um, like especially with action movies now, there always seems to be the premise of uh, like it's Die Hard on a blank. Like I know after this came out, like there was uh, Speed is Die Hard on a bus, Cliffhanger is Die Hard on a mountain. There's Passenger 57, uh, Die Hard on an Airplane. Uh, Toy Soldiers, Die Hard in a Prep School. Just all these action movies. Oh, Under Siege is another good one, Die Hard on a Battleship. Yeah, so it's just it's Die Hard on repeat. And, I mean, even now, like, to this day, I don't think anybody has really eclipsed Alan Rickman's performance. Like, you see tons of copycats that try to do the Hans Gruber villain role. And I really, for me, I don't think anybody's really come close. Maybe, maybe John Lithgow and Cliffhanger, like he's pretty awesome in that. Like he's almost to the point where I, I, if he ends up stealing the money, I would be okay with it. He gets away with like stealing that money. I would have been okay with that. Same with this. Like you kind of root for McLean, but like, you know what? If, if Hans gets away with it, I'm kind of okay with that too. Right. But, yeah, like, I just, I think in terms of, like, movie villains, though, like, no one, no one tops Hans Gruber. So, I, I'm going to, I don't know if this is skipping ahead, but fuck it. This is our podcast. We do whatever we want. Yeah, and plus um, we're trying out some new stuff. So, I mean, it's probably going to be all over the place for a little bit. Well, I was just thinking about um, Alan Rickman's character, Hans Gruber, when he, when he dies. Mm-hmm. You know, he he falls off the building. Well, he actually fell. Um, like, that scene was real. He didn't fall off a building, obviously. He was in a controlled environment. They had wires. God, I hope not. Like, how do they bring him back? He's in Harry Potter later on and Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Like, has he got a twin brother? Right. But when they when they let him go and he fell off of this platform they had built, they were supposed to give him a countdown because he was afraid of heights mm-hmm. and they, they released him early. So they went three, two, and then let him go. So that fear on his face when he's falling off the building is real fear. He's oh, really I know. afraid. He, yeah. He's looking like, Oh, like I'm sure he probably shit his pants on the way down. <laughs> I would shit my pants. I can tell you that. Yeah. Cause didn't you say it was like 70 feet? It's yeah. It's something ridiculous like that. Did you know that originally Sam Neill from Jurassic Park was supposed to play Hans Gruber? I, you know, I just can't see that working. No, I mean, I, I might buy it a little bit if he's got that raptor claw from Jurassic Park and, like, he uses it on somebody or at least threatens <laughs> to. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can, buy, I can buy this now. Like, the first archaeologist or what? what's their profession in Jurassic Park? I'm probably going to get murdered by Adam for, like, not a paleontologist. Paleontologist, yeah. Okay. Adam's going to cuss me out when he hears this. But yeah, like. He's going to be like, uh, well, actually, let me tell you what <laughs> profession that is. Now he's going to fuck you up now. <laughs> I didn't. Man, you know, I've been off of work for a little bit, but I didn't know Adam was such the badass. Yeah, dude. Ever since you've been gone, man, he's like got a speed bag in like the corner and like he's doing these weird martial arts moves and. I don't Does know. the Rocky theme constantly play? No, it's not the Rocky theme. It's some weird, like, <laughs> EMD 
song playing. It's like, you know, John Wick 2 when like him and Common are in that nightclub. It's kind of like that. Oh, okay. And he just locked in. I was like, I don't even know this person now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like outside of that though, like I really, I couldn't see anybody else playing Hans either. And he actually parlayed that into a pretty good career. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that I, I don't even think that Hans Gruber is Alan Rickman's most iconic role. I mean, when you th- really think about it, I mean, I I would say either people will associate him as Hans or as Snape from Harry Potter. Well, I think I think associating him with Snape is more because well, Harry I mean, it's Potter more, was more international and, you know, more for kids. So. Well, yeah, and I think it's it's – I think it's one of the top ten movie franchises of all time. In terms of like how much it made at the box office too. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not one of my movies that I like to you know movie series that I go to, but I understand why people like it so much. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when was uh when did you get introduced to Die Hard? You know, I I really don't remember. Um, I haven't really seriously wa- remembered watching it until I was an adult, but I'm sure I saw it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we when we would borrow HBO, oh, when uh, the uh, Time Warner would just like, hey, uh, let me borrow the lawnmower. I'll give you HBO for a week. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, it was uh, it was Continental Cable Vision back then. Oh, damn, that is right. So, I remember well, when I seen this for the first time. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies when this came out. And I remember I was at my grandparents' house and uh, my grandpa had HBO. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but they used to send you every month the little paper guides that told you everything that was going to be on HBO for the month. I don't remember that, no. I I remember TV Guides. Was it kind of like that? Well, it was kind of like TV Guide, but it just gave you like the time. And this is well well before you had HBO, HBO East, HBO West, like 12 different HBO channels. Yeah, this was just strictly HBO. Right. And it used to give you like, okay, like 4 o'clock, you're going to have Terms of Endearment. 6.30 is going to be, I don't know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, eight o'clock die hard. Well, I remember my grandpa's flipping through this guide and he noticed that, uh, HBO had a double feature. It was, t- uh, die hard. And then right after that was RoboCop. And they used to, at the very back of it, they would give you like a breakdown of the movies they had on that month. And it gave you uh-huh. like a brief synopsis. And I remember huh. my grandpa reading like, New York City cop foils a terrorist plot, and he was like, "Well, it looks like we're watching that." And then I remember him reading the description for RoboCop, and he goes, "Robot cop, all right." <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember my mom coming home like she sees us watching RoboCop, and it's the scene where uh, that guy is trying to like he's he tries to assault that woman, and then he's got the knife up to her throat, and then RoboCop just shoots this guy right through this woman's dress and just hits this guy in the nuts. I just like. I'm sure she was thrilled. Yeah, and I just like between seeing Die Hard and RoboCop, I'm like, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of movies now. Like that, like nobody could beat that double feature as a kid. 
that's a pretty killer double feature. But, um, well, I mean, like, Lucas, you got anything to add before uh, we're going to do something on these uh, episodes where we kind of, uh, whatever we don't cover in the, the facts, we'll just kind of rattle off some, like, interesting facts. You can tell it, uh, you know, the doctor's office at a dinner party, if you happen to get pulled over for speeding, whatever. You know, you can pull these out of your hat to pass the time. Do they even have to be real? Uh, no. I mean, these facts I'm, I'm pull- are real, but, you know, you can make up stuff too, but. Well, I was going to say, the only thing I can really add is, uh, like, um, I appreciate how Die Hard, you know, like we were saying earlier, kind of made it feel like we could all be superheroes and protect our family mm-hmm. from from danger. And um, it just... It's just such a good movie, and I watch it every Christmas. Yeah, because you know, like we said, it, it to us it's a Christmas movie, and it's just it never gets old. I just find it's funny over the last I don't know maybe five six years how its legacy has kind of changed from being, you know, one of the top action movies of the '80s to where, I mean, I remember just this year alone. I don't know if it's the pandemic is kind of like and people are shut in, like they just want to argue on the internet a lot more but like i just seen countless posts and like people arguing about whether this is a christmas movie or not i just i find that so fascinating that it's now considered more of a christmas classic than it is like an iconic action movie that's it's funny how that stuff works how things you know come full circle and all of a sudden this movie is super popular again yeah, I mean, I'll watch it anytime though. Like I I watched it during the holidays. Well, I well shit, I watched it twice to prepare for this episode that we are just now able to do. Um, <laughs> but then like I I it's one of those ones where like I have a a collection of like maybe 10 or 12 movies that if I ever see them on TV, it doesn't matter what point of the movie I'm at, I'm I'm locked in. You know? Die Hard's yeah. one of those like it could be like the scene where, uh, and this is like my f- my two favorite scenes in the movie are the uh, the sequence on the roof when like the FBI guys are trying to uh, they're trying to shoot John McClane because they think he's one of the terrorists and like the building blows up and that whole that whole scene and then it's also the scene where uh, John finds Hans and then Hans pretends to be like one of the hostages. Oh no. You're one of them. No, please, God, no. No, don't kill me. Don't kill me, please. <laughs> but yeah, that's this, just, is, this has been, a, this is the most that we ever have acted. Right. Uh, well, actually, I think now that the Oscars, it used to be the cutoff was Christmas Day, but now they extended it to April. I might submit that. I, I think we're in. Uh, I mean, like, I'll settle for a Best Supporting Actor nomination. <laughs> So, and that's another thing real quick before we uh, go into like the, uh, the fun facts deep dive, but I don't understand why Alan Rickman didn't get an Oscar nomination for this. I don't, uh, I don't know. Do you know, do you know offhand what he was up against that year? I don't know everybody that was uh, nominated, but I know the year that this came out, Kevin Klein won for a fish called Wanda, which is an awesome performance. I can't argue with him winning. But I know Alan Rickman didn't even get a nomination, which is a fucking crime. 
Yeah, that's terrible. But, you know, you know how Hollywood views action movies. Well, I think, too, in the 80s, it was just, uh, if you think about, like, the best movies of the 80s, you typically don't think of the movies that won, like, the awards. Yeah. Like, you take, like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't think it's one of the best movies of the 90s, but you take uh, something like Braveheart. A lot of people, that's easily on, like, one of their top ten lists at one best picture, but... Like, I would probably rank something like, I don't know, uh, like Fight Club. Like, Fight Club never got any awards. Like, I love Fight Club ten times more than I do Braveheart. I even, like, Apollo 13 was nominated that same year. If Apollo 13's on, I I watch it every time. Braveheart, I don't know. I have to be in a mood. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I really really like Braveheart, although it was kind of beaten to death over my head by my sister and my mom. Because they thought Mel Gibson was hot in that. All this must have been before he went crazy. Oh, yeah. It was before he started, you know, making movies about Jesus and insulting, you know, everybody. Right. But, yeah, I I mean, I just, I think that, like, especially in that era, like, Hollywood got it. Because I think, like, you just look at, like, best picture winners like Gandhi, uh, the Last Emperor, I think Empire of the No Empire of the Sun wasn't a Best Picture winner, but like, like when I think of the '80s, like Ghostbusters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, those are like the best movies of that era. Those are yeah. the movies that are going to leave the lasting impact. Die Hard's another one. So, well, uh, do you want to list off the quick facts, or do you want me to go ahead and knock it out? Well, um. I can name a few. The uh, the uh, Nakatomi Plaza is a real building. Yeah, it was the 20th Century Fox Studios, uh, their corporate office. And it was it was actually under construction, so they had to use like a couple floors upstairs and a couple like down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, actually, Fox paid themselves to use that building, which I find to be funny. Right. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine, like, oh, here, here's a dollar. Well, well, thank you for the dollar. I will take that, and I will use it. I will gladly buy this hamburger today and pay you back Tuesday. I don't know why I just threw a, a, a really bad, wimpy impression at you, but <laughs> fuck it, it's 9.30 at night. Yeah, who gives a shit? Um, the, uh, the scene where uh, John McLean's falling down the uh, ventilation shaft was actually an accident. Mm-hmm. And they uh, ended up keeping it in the movie. Yeah, I remember uh, I was reading about that. Yeah, they thought that he was supposed to catch the like the opening the first time, and he missed it. And they thought it was such a cool shot they kept it, which it is. It works so much better because it like it's like oh fuck, he's gonna die. Right. Uh, it, you know, you look at that and you think that he probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a new one that I hadn't seen before. Um, did you know Bruce Willis suffered permanent hearing loss? You know, uh, I did not know that until like I've, let's be real. We get our, at least I get a lot of my facts from IMDB, their, uh, app. And I didn't even know that until like, I'm scrolling through here to like cherry pick some good ones that like you may not get to. And I just come across that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I guess, uh. Let me see, what does it say? Like, two-thirds of partial hearing loss in his left ear. Really? Yeah. 
which that's that's a lot of hearing loss, especially like mm-hmm. considering the concerts that you and I have been to where we yeah. have lost hearing. So, well, going I, forward, if anybody you know like says to me like like fuck, you're so hard of hearing. Like I'm not Bruce Willis hard of hearing. <laughs> that's going to be the new and, baseline. Yeah, and if they don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just like just listen to our episode. Just listen to the Die Hard episode. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I uh, one more thing that I I don't have one here, but it's something I kind of remember from from watching uh, that documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Was uh, they, you know, the scenes with the guns? They were they were real guns, and uh, they used you know blank bullets, but it was so loud that the uh, the offices at 20th Century Fox in that building, in the Nakatomi building, they had to uh, actually, like, it was actually interrupting some of the workflow. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess that would make sense. Like, like you know, Pam, the secretary, is just typing something up, and she just hears, like, just gunfire rattling off. Right. <laughs> So, uh, what, what do you got, Russ? Uh, well, uh, first one I thought was kind of cool. Um, Bonnie Bedelia, she plays uh, Holly McLean, John's wife. Uh, she is the aunt of uh, McCul- the Culkins. So, uh, her brother is Macaulay Culkin's dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I remember you saying something about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that would have been like a really cool, like for Die Hard 3, like, Kevin gets left home alone again and miraculously like they don't take him away from his parents, but like he teams up with John McClane and they set booby traps like in a subway or in an abandoned house. And they have to uh, take on Hans Gruber's brother and the wet bandits again. Now, listen, admittedly being a parent is really hard and having that many kids would be equally as hard, you know, as, as the McAllister's. But losing your kid kind of makes you a shitty parent. We can agree on that, right? Yeah, I think if they would have had like um, one of those little like those little squares that are out like tile. Yeah, like the little tile thing. Yeah, just glue, <laughs> like just just glue it to them. Just then, just buzz them whenever they can't find them. Right. Yeah, just like glue it to them or buzz them. Like, hey, well, there he is. He's upstairs. Um. The uh, director of photography on this is uh, Jan DeBont. And if that name sounds familiar to any action fans, uh, he went on to direct Die Hard on a Bus, Speed, and he directed Twister. Oh, very cool. And he directed the shitty uh, Speed 2 Cruise Control, but we won't talk about that. God, that move. That, I remember, so this is funny. So we used to have our mall here in, in our city where we live. Mm-hmm which, you know, is more of like a flea market these days. That's being generous, but... And uh, I remember there was a electronic store called Rex. Yep, and that's... The, my mom bought the, her uh, her first big TV, and she was high on the hog after that. She thought she was upper class. The first time I saw that movie, uh, Speed Cruise Control was actually sitting in Rex waiting for my parents to buy something. (laughs) Really? And I remember watching that movie thinking, what the fuck is this? This movie sucks. Yeah, I wonder how many customers they lost. It's almost like the 
the Michael McDonald video in uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's Rex's version of Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> and I bet there's an employee there just like went fucking crazy and quit. Play this movie one more fucking time. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we already touched on Bruce Willis, uh, his exhaustion from filming Moonlighting at the same time. Uh, this movie is uh, was selected in 2017 by the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Oh, good okay. job, Library of Congress. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, the last one I got, and I thought this was a. Uh, a little fascinating is a lot of the German that is spoken in this movie is not actual German. It's German gibberish. Uh, the only actor who actually speaks German in this is Hans Gruber. Huh? Oh, the last one too. Um, Carl, who's played by Alexander Gudnoff. And this still blows my mind that he is actually, well, he was, he's unfortunately he's passed away. He was a world-class ballerie, uh, ballet dancer. I've almost called him a ballerina. But, yeah, he was well, a world-class ballet dancer. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing something about that, and, like, that that kind of helps him in his uh, fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it makes so. sense. It's just like with a professional wrestler. I mean, you know, they have to be very graceful, too. But it just blows my mind that a ballet dancer, like, I don't know if they used, like – like shooting angles to make him look tall, but Carl looks like he's at least six, four. And, you know, he, he might be cause you know, he's a, he's a European ballet dancer. Right. Maybe, maybe they're super tall. I don't know. And what's funny is there was actually another, uh, a Russian baller, uh, ballet dancer. His name was Mikhail Barishnikov. Uh, huh. he was also making movies in the eighties too. He made an action huh. movie with, uh, Gregory Hines, I think it was called Running Scared. I could be totally wrong with that. But yeah, he was in a, an 80s action movie too. So You would know better than I would. Um, that's pretty much all I, I got. I mean, we kind of cl- went over most of the stuff in our conversation. So I think, I think that's, that's going to be a wrap. I don't know unless you have any final thoughts before we depart tonight. Well, I, do, I have one more fact. Okay, go um, ahead. You know that uh, Bruce Willis really wasn't on the posters for the movie at first? Oh, yeah, I do remember seeing this. Because people actually hated the idea of Bruce Willis being in an action movie. Like when, mm-hmm. uh, when the trailer came out, I believe it was, audiences actually booed every time that Bruce Willis was on screen. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that in that, uh, that Netflix special. Yeah. And little um, did they know they were getting ready to see the greatest, like one of the greatest action movies of all time. Stupid asses. That's what you get for booing. Yeah, he showed you. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, if, if I, anybody listening to this has never seen Die Hard, for one, shame on you. Mm-hmm. And for two, they need to remedy that very quickly. Well, they can. They can uh, watch it. Right now it's on HBO Max, which... They just got added to uh, Roku right before Christmas. And then uh, Amazon just recently added them. I know they're on Apple TV. Uh, I think they're on Chromecast. 
But I mean, you can get. Uh, I, I I think they did away with the seven day free trials. But I mean, you can. I mean, it's fifteen bucks a month for access to a lot of cool movies and Game of Thrones, including the new Wonder Woman, which I still haven't seen. But you know, it's a major Hollywood movie that is released on a streaming site. So, mm-hmm. well, I won't get into that. I've watched it. I won't. Uh, I won't give my opinion. Maybe we'll save that for the Wonder Woman 1984 episode that we'll do hopefully 15 years down the road. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Um, please, uh, if you listen to us on uh, Apple, uh, please leave us a review. Uh, reviews uh, are great feedback for us so we kind of know what we're doing right, what we need to improve on. Um, plus it helps, uh, Apple, like if people are searching for like a movie podcast, it helps our podcast get thrown into those results a lot sooner than somebody having to scroll through like 80 or 90 different movie podcast titles. Um, you also please feel free to follow us on Facebook. We're uh, couch potato podcast, Instagram, the same. Um, but yeah, please hit us up. We hope you guys like the new format. Uh, please let us know, like, just the feedback we were getting from analytics, it kind of seemed like this is probably the way we needed to go. But the watch-along um, episodes are not dead. We're just going to make them special, like, special events. Go ahead, Lucas. I just wanted to add one thing. This is kind of a, a personal note, and I don't, want this, I don't want this to be, like, a political thing because this is not political at all. Uh, but... Like I said at the beginning of this, I have COVID-19, and it is the worst uh, virus I've ever had in my life. And so I'm just I'm asking you people, please wear a mask. Please socially distance. You do not want this. The cough is awful. The fever is awful. The fatigue is awful. I fell asleep on my kitchen floor making dinner one night because I was so tired. Just please be safe. Yeah, I I echo that sentiment too. Just please be safe and think of you, uh, not just yourself, but other people as well. So, yeah, like stay safe out there, gang. We uh we want you to keep listening, and we want I want my my friend to get better too. So, yeah, for selfish reasons as well. All right, Lucas. Well, uh, until next time, uh, I'm Russ. And I'm Lucas, and Russ has been great talking to you again, my friend. I've yeah, missed you. I, I have too, man. It's uh, it's good to have you back in the saddle again, man. But uh, we'll see you guys next time. Talk at you later.